The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Good News Ride Home for Friday, June 19th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. Happy Juneteenth, everyone. If you want more on Juneteenth, I did a segment on yesterday's show about the historical context and the fight to make it a federal holiday. But today, we are getting ahead on the weekend and talking about Father's Day, its origins, and how it's celebrated around the world. Also, how the astronauts on board the International Space Station are giving a whole new meaning to space cake. A fake Nirvana song made with artificial intelligence, a library that is completely for the birds, and some more of the coolest videos that I have seen this week for you to queue up this weekend. Here is your daily dose of good news. It's Father's Day on Sunday, and whether or not you celebrate, you may be interested to know how this holiday became a thing. Is it a ploy by greeting card companies? Were dads upset that moms got a day all to themselves and demanded the same? At least here in the U.S., no, not quite. Like Mother's Day, it had been celebrated under various names and in different carnations at least as far back as the Middle Ages. It was most commonly observed by Roman Catholics celebrating fathers on St. Joseph's Day on March 19th. But the first documented Father's Day celebration in the U.S. that was closer to how we know it now occurred in Fairmont, West Virginia on July 5, 1908. Grace Golden Clayton organized the day to honor the lives of the over 300 men, many of them fathers, who had died in the worst mining accident in U.S. history the previous December. That ceremony did not become an annual tradition, however, and while many other similar events took place across the U.S., it wouldn't really gain broad momentum until Sonora Smart Dodd entered the scene in 1909. Quoting the Old Farmer's Almanac, Her story began as she sat listening to a Mother's Day sermon in 1909. Mrs. Dodd thought that it might be nice to honor fathers as well. Her father, William Smart, had raised his six children alone on his farm in Washington after his wife died giving birth. Mrs. Dodd proposed to the Spokane Ministerial Association and the YMCA that they celebrate a Father's Day. She chose the 5th of June because it was her father's birthday. The idea received strong support, but the good ministers of Spokane asked that the day be changed to give them extra time to prepare sermons on the unexplored subject of fathers. The first Father's Day in Spokane, Washington, was observed on June 19, 1910, the third Sunday in June, and became an annual event there and soon other towns had their own celebrations, end quote. Despite becoming a regular tradition after that and even being proposed as an official holiday in Congress several times, Father's Day did not officially become a holiday in the U.S. until President Johnson issued a proclamation in 1966 designating the third Sunday in June as a day to honor fathers, which was subsequently formalized into law by President Nixon in 1972. 
Now, while here in the U.S., those of us who celebrate might do so with a couple of gifts for dad and a call home or maybe a barbecue in the yard, the traditions vary around the world. In Germany, it's a federal holiday, and it used to be customary for men to go hiking into the woods and get super drunk together. Now it's more typical to celebrate with a simple pub crawl. A lot of European nations like Italy, Spain, and Portugal predominantly celebrate St. Joseph's Day in March instead of a more explicit Father's Day. France used to do the same, but after World War II, a lighter company called Flaminaire invented their own second Father's Day just to help them sell more lighters. And while some French kids might still give their dad a lighter, these days the holiday and its associated gifts do look much more like a typical American Father's Day. In some nations, Father's Day has traditionally been more associated with celebrating the leader of the nation, or God himself as the father, or simply men in general. For example, Thailand's Father's Day is currently in December to coincide with the king's birthday. And of course, Father's Day, like Mother's Day, is not a happy day for everyone. Whether you've lost your father, never had one, are estranged from your family, or lost your own child, or have any other situation that makes the day tough, Dr. Elizabeth Yuko at Lifehacker spoke with other experts about ways to cope with the day. The biggies are to consider avoiding social media and finding someone to talk to. Depending on your situation, you may want to celebrate the memory of a father or your child, or you might just want to unplug and ignore it altogether. Allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. Try not to compare your situation to others and know that you're not alone. If you want more tips and some resources from those experts, you can check out the Lifehacker link in the show notes. And slightly on that note, one thing that I've always thought could be a good solution for people who don't have fathers or don't have mothers or have any number of complicated relationships with their families would be to combine the holidays into a parent's day. It could have the added benefit of not excluding some LGBTQ plus families, and the definition could be broad enough to include found family and parental figures without the weight of the words mother or father. And it turns out this is not a new idea. There's been a push to combine the two into a parent's day as far back as the 1920s, just as the concept of Father's Day was getting going. Quoting Mental Floss, Robert Sparrow, a philanthropist and children's radio entertainer, saw the holidays as a, quote, division of respect and affection for parents, especially during a time when Father's Day hadn't officially been recognized nationwide. Quote, we should all have love for dad and mother every day, but Parents' Day on the second Sunday in May is a reminder that both parents should be loved and respected together, Sparrow told the New York Times in 1931. The movement died out in the 40s, but if it had gone through, we'd all be celebrating Parents' Day every year with the slogan, a kiss for mother, a hug for dad, end quote. Well, we might want to update some of those ideas a little bit, but hey, maybe we will see a Parents' Day come to fruition sometime in the future. But for now, I hope that everyone listening has a good Sunday, whether you are celebrating something or not. As cool as it might have been as a kid to buy a packet of astronaut ice cream from the museum gift shop, we all know that the food astronauts actually eat in space is nothing to write home about. As astrobiologist and psychologist Douglas Vakach wrote, quote, The logistics of spaceflight prioritize astronauts' needs over their wants. Astronauts often have to be satisfied with food that is merely palatable, not truly delectable, end quote. 
Which is why something that happened on the International Space Station back in January has huge significance. The astronauts on board baked cookies. But they didn't get to eat them. Quoting Space.com, The space cookies began their journey as chocolate chip cookie dough that launched alongside the Zero-G oven, the first oven designed to work in the microgravity environment aboard the International Space Station. The cookie dough and oven launched to the station in November on a Northrop Grumman Cygnus spacecraft and returned January 7th on the SpaceX Dragon, end quote. The cookie dough was provided by the Doubletree Hotel chain, and the astronauts made just five cookies and sent them back down to Earth to be analyzed. Angelo Vermulin, a space systems researcher and biologist, says that the cookies, quote, signify the first small step in enabling astronauts to make at least part of their food while in space, end quote. Currently, most of what the astronauts eat is prepared meals and shelf-stable snacks. The closest thing they get to cooking is pouring hot water onto some of the food items to cook them. But as sojourns in space get longer and the commercial crew program opens up new possibilities, NASA is beginning to explore more options that will satisfy the astronauts on an emotional, psychological level, not just as a caloric necessity. Vermulin worked with NASA to study menu fatigue in astronauts during the High Seas Mars simulation mission, quoting Supercluster, Not only was the non-prepared food more exciting to eat, which led to less menu fatigue, but Vermulin discovered there were social and psychological benefits to cooking, too. Cooking proved a creative endeavor and gratifying experience for the astronauts, and preparing food for fellow crewmates is an act of caring with its own psychological impact, Vermulin explains. With that knowledge, agencies providing food to astronauts are starting to talk about how food fits into what Ryan Dowdy, Ph.D., International Space Station Food System Manager at NASA, calls space culture. I think food has a big role in space culture, he says, but it's not easy to get the right ingredients into space, let alone the utensils and appliances needed to refrigerate and cook those ingredients, end quote. Without large-scale refrigerators, the most common request from astronauts is not so much comfort foods like hamburgers and pasta, although they pine for those as well, but rather fresh fruits and vegetables. Quoting again, Until recently, the agency wasn't able to deliver even apples to the International Space Station without them arriving bruised from spaceflight. But the team was able to solve this by developing a volumetrically neutral piece of hard plastic that could carry the apples into space. On another recent flight, NASA sent up hard cheeses for the crew, replacing, for that day at least, the shelf-stable cheddar cheese spread to which the astronauts had become accustomed, end quote. But it's creating the technology that will allow astronauts to cook that NASA researchers and startup Bake in Space are particularly interested in. As Dowdy told Supercluster, quote, I think there's a huge amount of identity and culture associated with food that is important to translate into space. The astronauts are incredible superhumans in terms of what they do, but at the same time, I think it's important the fuel that they are consuming is not just calories. What it comes in, what it looks like, how it tastes, the texture, the flavor, it can all remind them of home, of who they are, where they come from, and the reason they're up there. End quote. So much has rapidly changed about space travel, especially with the commercial crew program. You know, seeing the new spacesuits and the touchscreen tablets that replaced the buttons and dials on the control panel of the Crew Dragon launch really hammered that home for me. So maybe it's time to upgrade the ISS's kitchen as well. And 
ending today with some of the cool videos that I've seen this week around the internet that I think you might want to check out as well, since, you know, no new podcast for two days over the weekend. Watch these videos instead. Or at least recommend them to your friends, pretending that you've watched them because I've summarized them for you now. So first up, YouTube creator and musician Funk Turkey used AI to create a fake Nirvana song. He fed a bunch of Nirvana lyrics into a bot and used a Markov chain to create the track, which he calls Smother. Here's a clip. He's also made AI bot songs out of Metallica, ACDC, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and more, so there is plenty more to enjoy where that came from. Next up, Lockdown has inspired people to take up a lot of new hobbies, from bread making to woodworking, and another popular one that's seen a rise is bird watching. Well, if there aren't any good birds around your home, or perhaps you just can't get enough, you can tune into the 24-7 live stream of The Bird Library. Kevin Qualina and Rebecca Flowers of Charlottesville, Virginia, built a birdhouse that looks just like a miniature library, complete with a main desk, some shelves, and a cozy reading chair. The couple said of the project, We decided to bring our love of libraries, books, building, and birding together in a project that would feed our birds' stomachs and brains. Our slogan is Bird Library, Feeding the Bird Brains of Virginia, end quote. You can watch the constant stream on YouTube or follow regular photo updates on Instagram at library for that's the number four, birds. And finally today is the latest video from the slow-mo guys showing in a super macro close-up and extreme slow motion what it looks like when an Apple Watch expels water. For the non-Apple Watch wearers or fans, this is a feature of later Apple Watch models in which you can lock the screen if you're going to be swimming or otherwise submerging the watch in water. And once you're back in a dry location, you can turn the digital crown and the watch uses its speakers to spit out any excess water. In practice, you don't usually see too much water come out, although that doesn't really make it any less cool. Even the Apple haters in my life are usually excited to see this feature anytime we go swimming. But seeing it so close up and in slow motion is on a whole other level. In the video, huge, endless globules float out of the watch for several minutes as Gavin Free from the Slow Mo Guys takes the time to explain what's happening and speculate on some of the technology. Much of the video is set to some calming music, so it's just incredibly captivating and definitely worth watching. Links to that video and all of these videos, as usual, are in the show notes. So, remember a few weeks ago when I told you all about one of my favorite sports, marble racing? Or perhaps you heard about it from a segment on John Oliver's Last Week Tonight. Either way, the qualifying rounds for Marble League 2020 aired last night on Gel's Marble Runs YouTube channel. If you want to see who will be competing in the 5th Annual Marble League, sponsored by Last Week Tonight... You can watch the video at the link in the show notes. There will also be a friendly round competition dropping sometime today, so lots to catch up on and enjoy. That is all from me, though. 
I hope you all have a good weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. At LensCrafters, we value expertly tailored eye care, provide state-of-the-art eye exams, offer a wide assortment of designer brands and high-quality lenses, because everything we do at LensCrafters is for every site that makes your life special. We offer 50% off lenses with frame purchase. Shop in-store and online. Book your annual eye exam now on LensCrafters.com. LensCrafters, because sight. Eye exams are available at the Independent Doctor of Optometry at or next to LensCrafters. Doctors in some states are employed by LensCrafters. Offer valid to April 2nd, 2023. See associate for details.